Hi there, and welcome to a new episode of Impact Talks. Today we have Laura Nuhan with us from Microsoft. She's retail uh, industry lead for Western Europe. I hope I got the title right because I've been trying for a while. <laughs> Laura, please introduce yourself. Uh, where can the people know you from and what do you do? Well, thank you so much uh, for having me uh, in this uh, Impact Talks. Uh, I'm very happy to be here with you. And uh, I think you did a great job introducing me. I, I work for Microsoft um, on the, in the management consulting services part, which really focus on like helping companies in retail uh, and also telco to accelerate their digital transformation. So it's the, the what of technology, but also the how. And where people know me from, um, maybe a little bit more, is I have a background in business economics, worked for management consulting, but also startups. Ten years in Silicon Valley, did my own female-led uh, startup, and like now for three years working with Microsoft. That's actually something unique to this podcast, because you are the first returning person um, we've had from, obviously you were on our stage in the main event, um, and in there, we kind of went a little bit deeper into who you are and obviously your take. The one thing I remember kind of regretting and I had like 50 questions about that topic alone was your Silicon Valley experience. Um, so there's a transition I definitely want to cover during this talk about who you are as a person, how you go from an entrepreneur and your entire digital marketing experience and then take that to a Microsoft um, especially as Microsoft, I remember when I met you, Microsoft was going through the transition of being cool again. And, and now I think it's like kind of established that it's becoming quite cool, especially with the new CEO. But um, I wanted to go kind of back and, and maybe hear your story um, so that people really understand who you are. How did you start with this whole entrepreneurial background and, and where did this whole marketing start from and, and how does Silicon Valley come into that story? <laughs> So how many hours do we have? Well, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It'll be well. We, you can take your time, and you know we'll keep it short. Yeah, no. So I, I think uh, entrepreneurial spirit is something that you have or not, right? There's a curiosity about like exploring and doing new things, and as well like uh, being like focusing on customers and needs and really wanting to add to it. So that's my entrepreneurial um, spirit. I have to say, I started like selling painted stones in the market um, in Spain, as I'm also half Spanish, as you know, when I was a kid. But then I went like, um, so I think my, my life has been, uh, my career has been like always from like contrast, like hit refresh, as Satya Nadella as well says, over and over every time. I studied business economics, but I was thinking of going to the Academy of Art, which is left brain, right brain. Um, then I started big, fast moving consumer goods. I thought then that I needed to learn more. So it's also uh, always like wanting to learn more. I went to work with uh, Coopers as management consulting because I could see many different companies. And I think one of the cool stuff or like the interesting thing is like what can you learn from other industries, companies and cross over and leverage these experience to do better, right? Um, I did that for a few years and then uh, the adventure came as well for new cultures, as I'm half Spanish, half Dutch, uh, I could go to Silicon Valley. 
and there um, as well like worked with many scale-ups uh, in like Wait, what do you mean roles. you had the opportunity to go to Silicon Valley did someone invite <laughs> you or you like <laughs> bought a ticket well, one-way trip <laughs> You want to know? No, no. So the the thing was, um, it's a funny story um, because uh, I first had like I always want to go abroad. So I had an opportunity to work in Chile, but then my husband said like, hmm, Chile, no, I don't speak Spanish, and he came back with a counter offer. So that was the opportunity. He had a job in Silicon Valley. So I said, okay, well, not sure, but let's try. Let's go there. So I joined, and um, of course I joined. We went together. And then uh, found like different um, opportunities to work there as well. And we were the plan was to stay there for two years, but we liked it so much uh, that we stayed for ten years. So that's um, that wow. part. And, and yeah, yeah. So continue. So you, how did you get a job there? What what was happening exactly? Yeah. So um, in the beginning, because I had like to go, you have to get your driver, uh, driver's license. Um, I got like this stamp, like an alien not supposed to work here. <laughs> and that's because I went with my husband. And of course, I always had my own jobs and things like that. So that was, hmm, I don't like that. So I really uh, went like looking for what could I do? And I came across like one of the... Um, like uh, investors that was like thinking about that time and it was very cool the blackberry so he was like working with um like blackberry like the devices and security and together we uh, said like well let's start a blackberry enterprise community like this whole learning experiences over the over the internet and this is the way i got my own uh, visa, which I was very happy with, so my independency, and from that on, I could like start like doing all like different jobs um, with different scale ups. What What do you mean with learning experiences? So you guys were just like creating apps on the BlackBerry, and no, no. So it was really like a user community, and this was like early two thousand two, two thousand three, um, to really have like IT uh, like CIOs of different companies share experience how they were like uh, implementing deploying blackberry from as well um, like yeah getting people together so really uh, a community a platform okay and so what was happening after that because i can imagine once the iphone came out it became less relevant <laughs> yeah well it's already like uh, there was one thing with it as well uh, i mean great idea but it's very depending on one company at rim uh, the, the, the blackberry uh, brand uh, owner so this was already like um like kind of an obstacle so even before um before uh, the iphone i did it for two years uh, it was pretty successful with creating like getting the right people having user communities chapters all over the us but then i um i stepped away uh, from it and i th- some people really regret it as well uh, Wait, so, think, so your job was to build the communities behind that online uh, community, uh, online group, I mean? Yeah, so from everything, like really like um, like having the business development, ensuring the relation with the BlackBerry and uh, with uh, RIM, everything at that time. But this is a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, so but you're right. So it was, um, it was for two years. It was just like my jumping, uh, like I say, my jumping board into we, uh, other uh, startups, companies. I worked. I went to work with Good Technology as well, which so is like was a, a, a competitor. 
<laughs> Can you tell us more about what happened uh, and just just go through the story? Yeah. Yeah, so good technology was was really helping with strategic business development, uh, which was very interesting to see because it was already like a little bit further than uh, than the startup, right? Two hundred people. Um, it was a very like passionate group of people working together. I really liked the spirit uh, of like the startups, like uh, the whole passion, purpose to work together and create new things. Uh, somebody asked me uh, a few days ago as well, like. What is what really makes it different in uh, in Silicon Valley? And I think that the drive and to like the openness, the grow way, like the idea, like be open for new ideas, try it, experimental, uh, is really uh, at that time was different. I mean, it's like we getting there in the Netherlands and in Europe, which I'm happy with, um, but that really made a, a big difference. And I was responsible for strategic business development, and there's also like um, like all kind of things on uh, like how to grow the businesses also. Uh, did that for a while, then went to um, Health Hero, and you say like what is Health Hero? But this was uh, telehealth and uh, telemonitoring. Uh, they were like. Uh, offering devices for people with chronic diseases to like, and this is before before iPhone, before iPad, eh? mind that. <laughs> so it was like devices to bring in the home for people that were uh, chronically ill and then they had to uh, answer three questions every day. So as well, like to send alerts to the doctor to make sure that people were like getting the right treatment and don't have to go to the uh, emergency room, for instance. And the interesting part is um, that this was in 2005, or I don't know the years exactly, but look at where we are now with telehealth. It's, it's like now because of COVID, I think, eh, if you look at like, I mean, it's very sad that COVID happened and uh, many things uh, happened that are not good. But what I think is the, the good, the brighter side of it is that it has been like breaking through habits and enabling digital acceleration digital transformation and also in telehealth um, but um and then and then I'll, I'll stop about because i don't want to like like be boring about like all the experience but from the uh health body one of the things that we saw it like uh, the health hero health body they called it was that like people were perceiving it as a, a watchdog right like you get this device in the house and you feel like somebody's watching you so this is where my idea came from my own startup was saying like, well, let's start with the social interaction first, like that an older people, it was mostly older, uh, older people, if they are sick, they should like first have like an idea, like to want to connect with the computer and have a social connection first. And then we can introduce uh, help, uh, like remote assistance, uh, medical reminders, and so we, what we did is it was called family link, like bridge between elderly and the younger people and bridge the digital device. And even you said, like it's funny, you said about the iPad. Um, we had uh, we even like filed for a patent. We didn't get it because the iPad and the iPhone were already in the make. But we had like this idea about like a wireless touch frame, just easy with four key features that like what's the weather today or what's the weather at my son's place, um, like play a little bit of uh, paper, uh, bridge or something like that with my grandkids. It was all there and um, yeah. So it was a basic iPad uh, before the iPads. But exactly. The wasn't yeah. Good. And like really like uh, making it like very functional. And I, I still think also this was in 2007. Um, you, you still see like uh, ideas like this coming up. 
So uh, for me, um, that, that's maybe not a bridge to the technology. I think it's um, with technology, uh, we always want to focus on like what's new, what's new, what can we do more, and what's there. But I think it's a lot is as well about the execution and making it happen, make it real. Because yeah, I just mentioned telehealth, uh, the bridging, like making empowering uh, seniors to do more at home. These are all things that are still like uh, not going too fast. And then um, after 10 years, obviously you left Silicon Valley. Uh, My main question is, well, twofold actually, just genuine interest I always had uh, when I met you at first. Why would you leave Silicon Valley? Because you went from two years to 10 years, seems like things were going good. And also, why did you extend that? Why did you go from two to 10 years? Like, what was so good about Silicon Valley that <laughs> made you want to stay? Let me start with that, with that one first, right? Uh, I think for me, it was kind of like the paradise in the sense of like all like, uh, or smart or open-minded people from everywhere. So a lot of like diversity, different cultures, willing to do better or new ideas and really like uh, entrepreneurship Uh, and the other thing I liked is the easy of like access to people if you had a good idea uh, the next morning you could have coffee with the CEO of company so everybody was it's also this ecosystem thinking um, and just let's do it the mentality of like getting things done but still like think about it I really enjoyed then also um, the weather, of course, and the landscape. It's uh, it reminds me a lot of Spain. It's beautiful outdoors. It's uh, it's open. You can go running for hours. Um, so it was a combination, but definitely the entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurship, the mindset, and the willingness to do things um, was really uh, the reason that we stayed and we stayed and we stayed um, for a longer time. Yeah. And so, what changed that eventually after ten years? Yeah, so I think it goes back to the reason, like I mentioned, like why going, right? I said like uh, learning, exploring new cultures at a certain time, if you stay somewhere long, it becomes normal again, or it becomes more uh, into habits. And um, we were living in a great uh, neighborhood, but it was as well like, okay, do I want to stay here? Till like I'm very old or wanna, I don't want to see uh, new things. Uh, another thing was like um, I have three kids um, and they were like growing up in this beautiful area. But it was also like that was their world. It was always, uh, yeah, you know, always positive, big cars, people successful. It was just one side of society. And I also wanted them to see other parts of the world and also to start to know Europe better, like to get to know Europe better. So that was another one. And then my mom, uh, very personal, living uh, in Sisa, like I said, like half Spanish or Catalan, living in um, in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, and becoming older as well. And then California is very, very far away. Yeah, I get that. Um, okay, but that yeah, and like maybe what yeah. And maybe yeah, and the and the business reason was as well like um, like using what I learned because I was like yeah, I learned a lot of like the, the mentality the startups with the VCs and everything I wanted to bring that as well back to the Netherlands and help innovating here in Europe. So that's actually my next question. When you came back, um, there's like an entire history before you even start at Microsoft. So. 
So how was that transition like? How was the mentality between your new Silicon Valley approach and the Netherlands? And how, how did you start your career back up after you came back? Yeah, so it was really like starting all over again, right? If you leave 10 years, sometimes I, people ask me like, hey, should I go abroad? I, and sometimes I advise that like, well, realize that if you stay longer than five years, when you come back, you have to start almost from scratch again, right? Because of course your friends will know you, but you're not like, you're forgotten a bit. So it was like all like starting up again, but like what I done in, the, um, in Silicon Valley is helping companies with marketing, with business development, with strategy. I started to continue that uh, as well in, in the Netherlands, but had to start from zero. So that's entrepreneurship, right? Like, how do you do that? Like reaching out to your network, also like um, doing research, uh, like having like interviews with people, like starting building up again, um, presenting on the things that I felt passionate about. Like one of the themes is marketing and sales alignment and now it should be even broader, right? And that, that only, um, how can you improve that uh, metrics to show where you can improve into the marketing and sales process. But it was, um, I mean, it, it, the first year, I have to say, I, um, I found it very, very hard to be back. Because Why? it's, uh, well, well, you have to get like really like used uh, to the weather. No, <laughs> kidding. But it was, um, I, I think as well, like, um, well, like starting from, from scratch is fine. But as well, like have the, the children adjust again to a new world. Where my daughter said, like, well, mom, why are we here? There are no trees to climb in. There's no sun. And there are only grumpy old grandmas in the supermarket. <laughs> always, but this is, of course, just one from she was 11 at that time. But I think it's very important as well. Like, your kids, uh, they need time to land again. They were, like, not happy. And if your kids are not happy, it's very hard to be, like, easygoing yourself. But um, after the first year, of course... And that's with everything, resilience, like it, it turns uh, like good again. And um, so I, I don't regret at all to be back. <laughs> but that's actually a legit question, um, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people that come from warmer climates um, can relate to. You know, your kids come and they say, I mean, the Netherlands, I love the Netherlands, one of the best countries. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking about moving to America because that's the next stage of our company. But, uh, but I want to stick here. So there's a lot of benefits. I love even the government and stuff like that. But at the same time, your your child is kind of right. I mean, she said that, you know, everything she said, the grumpy grandmas in the supermarket, the weather, <laughs> it's technically true. And if you're living in like Silicon Valley where, where those things are not happening, then it's kind of like, don't you want to go back? Or what is it that keeps you here outside of the personal reasons yeah so i think as well like um i mean the u.s is very nice and but of course it changed over the years as we all know right i came back in 2011 and it's a different time now so i think uh, even like also my youngest now says hmm, i'm not so sure if i want to go back right now but no i think that the key reason is um that like there's still like a lot to do as well in Europe. And it's, it's amazing if you look at how our startup uh, community grew over the last years as well. I think we are now even number three, right? In, from Europe perspective. Yeah, it's um, like top five for sure. 
Yeah, so from a business perspective, that's very exciting. Um, as well, like from uh, where my core business is, is like digital transformation and helping companies. Um, that's also very exciting because it's like a lot to do. So I, I think, um, no, it, it's okay to be uh, here, and I don't, I don't want to go back now at this moment. So let's continue kind of the story because I think it's very important um, for the context. So you start back up and then obviously you did a lot with marketing um, and biz dev. So when you started back up after that first year, I mean, I saw a lot of things happening from you wrote a book and, and you were speaking a lot. Um, so tell me a little bit about that story just before Microsoft approached you. Um, yeah, so I think, um, I, I, well, like when you're like doing like consulting on board level for strategic marketing and, and sales or innovation, uh, you need to practice what you preach as well, right? And you need to bring value to the table. So what I, what I saw at that time uh, was like really a need for digital selling or social selling and this again is also like many years back at that time and I wrote the book it was kind of still of like pretty new it was in 2014 I think I published the book so I started like to really invest and as well as the learnings and put it to the paper uh, put it to the paper or like to the digital and wrote that book which really was helpful because then it's as well like your your brand a bit of like okay this is what I could do right and I, I wrote another book while back on the balance scorecard but then for sales um, which also has been when I started my own consulting firm uh, it was very like useful as well to see like hey these are my thoughts and this is how I uh, bring this into uh, into practice um, so that's one thing but also always thinking and I, I, um, I see that with you as well how you work is thinking in finding the right partners, not like only do it yourself, we work with others um, to make it happen. So I also worked with um, like uh, Gerard Schweind, uh, Schweindegger from um, as well like sales uh, company to uh, join his conf conferences. So like different uh, ways of finding partners to, uh, to work together. What do you mean finding partners? What what was the partnership then exactly? How was the collaboration? Was it like you became one company or? No, no, so not that far. Like fluid partnership. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think um, in the sense of well, maybe partner is a too strong word. Uh, really finding collaborations, like really team up and work together when you have a goal, like uh, from... Um, Gerard, uh, Gerard uh, is his name. His his goal was as well like to bring like the knowledge and the uh, experience from the U.S. to Europe, and to help with uh, like yeah scaling up or like not like leveling up sales and marketing. I had the same goal, so I helped as well. Like they did this great conference every year in uh, in, in in the U.S. And, like why don't you bring it as well? to Europe and um, then you start like really thinking about it and see how you can participate. So that was one uh, one thing. Great. How open was somebody like that for collaboration? Because I'm noticing um, it's like hit and miss. Sometimes you try to collaborate with people and people really want to. And then sometimes people are like, no, I don't want to. I want to do it by myself. Or like th that's the impression I seem to get when, when I ask for, for like... Um, <laughs> Yeah, collaborations, as you put it. So how yeah. open was it for you? 
So in this sense, like uh, it was, it was okay because I mean, like sometimes it's as well. Like if you bring the idea, then you're already part of the game, right? Often, but sometimes they want to do like they take the idea as well. But this was like as well, like hey, like why are you not like bringing this to Europe and then you can start collaborating on it? But of course, there are also other. Um, examples where it doesn't go that easy and that's also uh, one of the things with partnerships I always say like well let's first do something together and then we can like structure it more instead of like having many many talks trying to put it like on all like regulations and rules on paper first like see if there's a good match if the ways you work are complementary and after that you can make it more firm so pretty much small project first before we start discussing like big collaborations yeah, or even a big, it can be a, a big project together, but it's like before you really make it like a permanent, more permanent, nothing is permanent in this life. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe um, obviously we have a lot of startups as well listening. Maybe you can give some tips on how you found those partnerships. Yeah, so um, I wrote a book about digital selling, right? So just selling. <laughs> so now um, I, I really think it is about like thinking in, in value, like where can you add value and where can somebody add value to your uh, proposition? So it's really as well like thinking ahead, like, okay, what, what are the logical partners and make it uh, very clear then what your proposition is. Do you have an example story from from like your past or or like current working at Microsoft or Silicon Valley or anything from your career where you can like shape that, um, what you're saying right now? Yeah, well, I I think um, from like, well, the the one example was already like with uh, Gerhard from like really like I I came with the idea. So like that was really a successful formula in into the in the US how they were doing this with big events and getting like engagements, and then um, proposing to help with like launching it like a certain event in in Europe, where already it is like um, you you propose it you bring the idea, and so on. Another thing was um, but that like did like we started the uh, exploring was around corporate vision a very good company on like uh, as well like sales messaging sales propositions and then it's first reaching out with again like uh, why should we team up and they were more uh, this was as well like based on um, Europe versus the US they were as well started, starting to expand uh, to Europe where my value as well from the company I had was helping with understanding local markets and uh, like see how we could team up. Uh, we teamed up, but then things changed and it didn't work out. But again, it's about finding like thinking like who is complementary, having a strong like a, 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 like like sell sell yourself. I think that would be my advice. Like I'm thinking it uh, as well. Like okay, what's in for you? What's in for them? Especially for them. Come with a firm proposal, and the proposal again should be just like like low barrier, but say, hey, I, I think we could do this, we could do this, and um, what I mentioned on digital selling, you can start like easy uh, relations through LinkedIn, to Twitter, to digital, like already like making yourself known before they just like think, hey, what is this Laura Nuham doing, and thinking about like yeah, also your own your own brand or like well, how do you build trust because in the end it's all about trust um, 
so that was for me like the books that I wrote, the articles, um, just showing that I was passionate and that I was knowledgeable about the topics that I wanted to talk to them. I uh, yeah, I agree. Um, especially every stage of that, like doing your research, finding the proposal, the proposal is always looking good. But I think definitely what I'm taking away from it is also making the proposal very low barrier of entry, which um, I've seen in the past with startups that they tend to. And I, I've made these mistakes as well, where just it has to be like big right away. Um, I would maybe also even add to that, like to have options where if they want to go big, you have the option to go big. But uh, what do you think about having like options when you create proposals? Yeah, no, so I'm totally uh, like with you. Like, I think you need to think big. That's another one. Like if you think too small, then you are like spending a lot of time within things that, doesn't, that maybe will not like ever turn into this big dream. So it's nothing wrong with as well, like, ha like having already the, the bigger picture in mind, eh? like this is where I or we want to go and how we could like join each other and, but then make it small. So that's a, like, uh, and the same is with digital transformation as well, right? You need to have this bigger vision, but then like, uh, if you only think big, then maybe things don't happen or they take way too long and you're already like uh, behind. But then make it just small and create small steps towards that vision. And the same with a partnership. You can, and if they want to go in right big, but then still also the risk is for the startup as well, right? Like, I mean, do you want to go big? Because maybe it doesn't turn out as you wanted, uh, what you were expecting. So I want to go deeper into that um, because one of the things and that was also one of the things that we saw a lot in the feedback forms a lot of people were very inspired uh when you were talking on the main stage and i think one of the things that makes that possible is that you um are not ashamed i would say uh, to think big which is in europe a thing uh which i encounter less in america which you know some shame would be great there as well but, but maybe you could talk <laughs> about the thinking big. When is it too much? When, when do you know you're onto something? How do you maybe, the most important question, especially considering the context of startups, how do you convince that the potential client or investor that these steps of thinking big are the right ways? How did you convince people about that? Yeah, so I, I think it is as well like think big, but stay humble right and i think that's a little bit like what you were saying yeah yeah because there's a difference between really like being passionate about like what your great idea can like bring to the society can bring to businesses and things like that but it's different if you say like well this is what it's going to be and um sorry i'm like using too much my hands now <laughs> no worries um no but this is what it's gonna be and um, just like be like, uh, yeah, I said humble, but as well, like it's an agile road to your vision, to your thinking big. So, of course, you need to shape an ambition. You need to really make clear like what it is that it could be. But we don't know for sure. And this is where I mean, like you need to be um, humble. Also, like still like know that you will be learning. But I think um, if you're looking for investors or partners, you have to have that vision because that's where they will buy into or getting excited to help you. 
So I, I learn a lot from stories um, and I, I love what you're saying, but do you have like a story where you can shape the thinking big, but staying humble and how it paid off down the line? Yeah, so well, back to my own startup then, right? Because that's easier to talk about. Yeah. Um, the family link um, was uh, with my, my business partner. She, she was from the US uh, and she thought that I was really thinking too big because you need to as well like to uh, make numbers. Um, so we needed to really look at like how many aging people and there's big numbers. And if you would go to China, um, so you can do different scenarios. But then you come in like the potential value can be in millions and millions. If you really say like mm, very modest, then you are just thinking in maybe a few millions. But you need to be bold as well, like to get like the right partners. And the other thing was um, like, a, like a roadmap because you can start, as I said, like with the social interaction, but like what's then the value going to be? The real value is where you have like maybe medical reminders, where you add that to your vision to really be the social portal for, for seniors and not only for seniors, but as well for the family members where they can easily update calendars, uh, bring in reminders, even think about cameras or uh, monitors for like when you fall, but all in a, like in a nice and social way. So it was really like putting that vision of uh, starting with social enable or like social interaction connection towards adding more and more caring elements in uh, in the portal and even like uh, having your concierge all these concepts that are now very normal but at that time were less uh, were all like part of that bigger vision and that's uh, what really helped in um, getting like uh, early uh, money investment, uh, but also we were invited to LA, um, like uh, UCLA, to be like part of a panel. That's where also, uh, so maybe it's only not having a vision, but really have like some thought leadership in the area that you are really want to be uh, a game changer. Because if you become a thought leader, then also like doors will open. So UCLA, we had Stanford uh, University as well, like geriatric care uh, also partnering with us in early stage we got like an advisory board but if you wouldn't have had a, a vision and a bold vision then nobody or not nobody but like not that many people would be part like to be part of our group you you actually um said that at the beginning of, of what you were saying just now where you said something that really um stood out for me which is if you don't have something bold, then people won't follow it. So, and then obviously you're you're saying it right now as well, like because you guys went so bold, suddenly you became a thought leader. So does that mean that just because you guys started thinking big that people started picking up on that? Is it a little bit like fake it till you make it? Or, or what, what is it exactly? <laughs> say yeah well it's a little bit of like well believing in what you do well it's a combination because thinking big alone but you need to do your research you need to get your proofs of concept you need to show that it's also like a, a real thing right because otherwise it's only faking so it's really as well like really putting effort in understanding having uh this uh, where you say interviews with the real users the consumers remember like in the, in the beginning of our uh, interview i as well started saying like listen um it's really key 
that you have the customer in mind or the, the users and um, you can get a proof with it as well. Back to my, my startup, we were like talking to different uh, seniors and created videos as well like uh, that they were expressing what they thought like that was needed to really make them feel more comfortable staying longer at home for instance we did a lot of research on numbers we partnered with uh, like partnered with uh, what they call the boomer uh, the baby boomer summit which was as well like really focusing on how can we help that generation to stay longer at home uh, so these kind of things uh, so it's not only like um, on the paper, but also do your work, do your research um, and gather proof points. And even if it's uh, a prototype or interviews, but everything that helps to make it as well, like again, um, that people will believe that it's really, that it could become true, that there's a big chance that it uh, becomes reality. So it's very much about you drive yourself by thinking as big as you can and then finding the proof and all the research and everything you just mentioned to back um, that claim up as well. Yeah. And um, so a lot of startups will probably ask it, well, definitely I'm asking it right now. So is that pretty much the formula for you to become a thought leader or what was it that you did that suddenly Stanford like invites you and, and the UCLA invites you for a panel? Like, did you reach out to them or how do they pick up on those things? Yeah, it's a combination as well, right? Like it's being out there, but I think it is creating your your vision or your thoughts on like how you could help or make the world a better place. That I think it's always my my personal mission is to use innovation or technology to do or to help others to do better, right? So, um, and if you create that vision and articulate it, uh, which, which I was just explaining about Family Link, do research, start to write articles, blogs about it, um, then people will pick up on it. Uh, the same on, if you take another, uh, the, the social selling, the book that I wrote be before writing the book, even I was like posting things about like really like you're having an opinion or a view like your point of view what like yeah how you would like to help or achieve things or do better but then um yeah you need to you need to just be out there and i found that in the beginning as well pretty difficult i mean i just not like even my kids are like mom you're out there again you're a narcissist i said no i'm not a narcissist it's the way that i can like like people can find me because it's the reality right if you just stay if I stay in, uh, in between the, the four walls, nobody's going to find me. So you need to just be out there, especially in the times of social media. And same for now in, um, in the job where I am, in, in retail, it's really thinking about like what will help retailers to do better business. How can they accelerate it? And, I, yeah, and with Microsoft, you have a point of view. And how can we articulate that? And as well, like make sure that people um, see it. But I think you're doing a good job on that as well yourself. <laughs> yeah, but actually, <laughs> I, we had um, the wholesale director from Mango Fashion on uh, a couple of episodes back. But you're already kind of touching a point that, that I wanted to discuss with. What is, from a Microsoft point of view, which I saw the stock, it went crazy up during Corona. So how has it been like during these times and, and how have you been doing your function in a way 
to to get out there more and and establish i guess your function and being a thought leader and everything you just mentioned how in these times are you doing that yeah i think it's all about like switching gears right like even like like what you're doing now with impact talks is like doing it remotely instead of like waiting till there's time that you can be all like together in the studio so it's really um using remote um ways like that like for microsoft it's teams like the whole like way of operating using digital finding different ways of like still having a connection uh, with people virtual coffees uh, sometimes virtual friday parties really creating new things um, to really stay in touch with the people that you want to work with or help with um, we did as well like a series of webinars uh, very early on. Now there are so many webinars, but really as, uh, as well like, okay, what can we do? Round tables, uh, things like that. And I, you mentioned like the, um, like Microsoft stock, but I think the, the stock was already like going up, up, up uh, because as well like the, the investment in like the cloud, helping customers with digital transformation. Um, and really changing our culture and the way we are um, interacting, but um, or but but if you look at the um, the COVID, uh, it really like yeah again broke through different habits. Everybody was working remotely, and that's one of the key also the key areas that we offer solutions and help uh, customers with. How's it been like for you at the office? Just My like, office. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, it's been pretty crazy. Um, we already kind of were going digital before Corona hit. But I mean, I've seen from super chaotic to, yeah, we kind of were about to do that anyway. So now we're going faster. So what was happening with you personally and, and in your office and the teams? Yeah, so I think um, like at Microsoft, we are digital. We dream we it's every everything we always do is digital so i think that change was not that big right but i um in being part of the western europe organization working with different teams face to face is what i'm missing uh, because it's still like a uh, screen is okay but you also have to be like feel like being together in a room so that part was um, like a little bit like, yeah, it, it was missing, but I think the switch to remote working has been very easy. And you see that with the other companies, uh, like take the example of, uh, for instance, Starbucks, uh, were already like digital, were much uh, quicker in adapting to new models. So that's also what brings technology or like being prepared and knowing your customer and switching from one day to the other our own retail stores uh, it's also I think an interesting example we have the, the few flagship stores where like in 10 days the whole team was working remotely assisting consumers and customers uh, really can, like, can you yeah. tell more about that I didn't well I cannot that. tell you the whole the, the whole like the, the ins and outs but what really well it's, it's just really like being quickly in adapting and switching um, from like being in the store working from home and using technology um, like teams then in this case to be in, in, in contact with customers and even now the last announcement and i think that's also um, for startups uh, my advice would be be quick and be agile uh, because that's the way to succeed but uh, what i think is also very interesting is that like our stores now 
like the the employees will remain assisting customers but remotely so they will not like we will not do that in the stores anymore the stores will become much more like an interaction and experience centers so, and that's all like about like taking learnings and react very fast um, to that and maybe another interesting part of um, for like the Netherlands um, like the, the office in the Netherlands where I'm also like a part of two years ago when I was just a few months in we closed our offices for three months nobody could go to the office so we already had a preparation <laughs> I would say but for other reasons because we were remodeling our uh, whole office to become even like more the, the new collaboration the new meeting place where customers were uh, welcome partners are welcome and you really go to the office more to meet people than to just sit at your desk. You also have the space, but it's really uh, being that. But I found that very interesting, this three months that everybody was as well, like just find different ways to work, go to work at the customer, work with uh, from a coffee shop, find your teams in different places. Uh, it was already, I think, kind of a very good preparation. Uh, so long answer, but we are we were uh, yeah pretty quick in just returning to work uh, so not that chaotic and did you find that there was a difference in either generation or people that come from different locations in adapting to just stopping the work or do you feel like people who work at Microsoft they kind of understand and get it <laughs> yeah I, I think more the, the last one and I also think it's um it's not that much in generations, it's more, well, if you talk about the real world, the elderly people that had like no uh, iPhones and that they had, but also now you see like the adoption of um, like devices, online shopping and so on is like increasing with uh, all the people as well. So the, the cultures, I have to say it's different, but very difficult for me to really uh, see, but I, the, the countries I've worked with, people were all like, okay, we even had like a whole day meetings. But then you adjust because you cannot sit a whole day behind your screen. We did like uh, breaks between uh, like 45 minutes, use polls. Uh, but what I was amazed, and that's not only about Microsoft, but also with everyone and customers, is the, the flexibility of like humans. Like the way of like, and as well like the, the, the kindness, like the being like more open, like the like accepting that maybe a dog will bark, that somebody like has to have the baby because we couldn't bring the babies away. Um, so it was also like a very um, a special, it still is a very special time. I like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have to say as an introvert, it was one of the <laughs> best times, even though it was a really bad time. Um, I had real trouble um, when we started, you know, introducing flexible working back again, going back to the office. Um, so as an <laughs> introvert, it was a different experience. But um, but my girlfriend, on the other hand, was an extrovert, and so she uh, loved it. So we had two completely different reactions when, when everything got closed and when everything got opened up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I need to get yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions, um, audience-related questions. But before I do that, was there a specific topic that you wanted to discuss, or, yeah? Well, I think you're covering. I think it's about like the the, the innovation, the digital transformation, the breaking through habits, and like how can we really um, 
leverage technology but in a human way right like um and i think we have been already touching quite a bit of that as well yeah um, how do you make it more personal actually um i mean you guys were working on microsoft teams which became super relevant during corona so how do you keep you know closing down the office for three months how do you keep that interaction still going and you know, because the meeting place isn't enough. So what did you do to keep the person like personality going with maybe with clients and with teams? How was it different between the two? Yeah, so I, I think it is about like the, the, the personal connection. Uh, and that's one of the learnings that I had from like the closing two years ago is that like normally then like when you have an interaction, it's always an interaction with a business objective. So I'm going to call you and we have this topics and boom, boom, boom. So I think um, what is important is that you also reach out to people with not like directly a business, like if you would like take a coffee or you see each other at the, the water cooler, right? Like really say, just checking in, like, how are you? What's going on? And not only about like, oh, we need to like really think about this great idea or do this. So that's one thing, and that's what I, uh, I, I mentioned it, what I've seen, and what was really as well fun, was the virtual coffees. So we had with our team in Western Europe, uh, virtual coffee, and in the beginning you think, hmm, does that make sense? But also you had the opportunity to meet people that you normally would not meet, uh, because they are in different offices. Uh, so it was also like, um, as an extrovert, I really liked to see, like even like meet more people that I normally would not like uh, see. So that was uh, another thing. Um, yeah, I think you can do a lot of um, also like mindset. Um, I mean, not mindset, but like mindfulness. There was like uh, as well uh, offering, uh, Microsoft was offering um, mindfulness, virtual yoga. So also like taking, taking uh, care of the personal uh, factor, right? And I think that makes a difference. Uh, we also had like some more um, speakers internally uh, they were also like sharing thoughts on leadership but then digital so one of the things is yeah so that's really um so it's a combination uh, and not only like think business then i like that uh, because it's a, a great way to reconnect with all the virtual coffees i have been doing that uh, way less i have to say uh, <laughs> but on the other side we're also we went completely digital around February of two weeks before Corona hit. So what we do is just every week we have uh, team meetings and uh, and then the sub teams have their meetings like one has on Monday, another one on Wednesday, that type of thing. Um, but really interesting. So I had a, a couple of maybe also personal questions, but it keeps popping up and, and it's very hard for me to answer um, the questions that pop up. And the question is, so you have a ton of experience with marketing. You were CMO at some uh, companies. You, you've built communities. Um, when a startup starts, obviously they need to become a thought leader, like you said, but also what they actually need is they need to gain users. They need to gain community members, all these type of things. And my question to you is, do you have like practical advice, you know, on, on what if a company's starting now or, you know, they've been hit with Corona and they have to go digital. Um, how do they get users? How do they get community members? What is the best strategy? Is it advertising? Is it PR? Is, is it just <laughs> cold calling? Like, how would you handle it? So I, 
it's unfortunately that I don't have the secret sauce, right? I wish I wish there was like one formula that everybody could use. But my thing would be again like start like understanding your target audience. Who are the users that you're going after and why are you going after? Because you have a value to offer. So and also what is the value proposition? So I think it is a lot like I would say spend time in understanding your target audience because what are they doing? Where are they? Who is influencing them? Where are they searching for content? What is the message that will resonate? And sometimes in your target audience, uh, take for instance, for me, the big companies, it's very different if you talk to the chief HR or the chief finance uh, officer. So it's really about thinking um, different uh, in, in that sense, like really making sure you target the different audiences. Um, so when you understand like who your target audience is, then you can um, build like your, your marketing strategy. Uh, so can you go maybe a little bit deeper and maybe give an example of a company that you went into and maybe had to build it from scratch? Yeah, so one was, uh, one was with on, on marketing automation and not from scratch, but really uh, as well like spending time like who like from a mark from a technology co uh, company we often target it first which is good but i think in uh, again if you really want to accelerate or help with transforming and innovation it cannot only be it it cannot only be technology it needs to well as well to have to include the business value and the business right so for this company we really had to target as well like the chief marketing uh, officers and the marketing organization but like how do you do that then and it's really thinking and like understanding when is a chief marketing officer successful what are the business outcomes that the person that you're targeting are dri is, is driving right like when so you help to because they become successful like they achieve their goals and if you understand that better then you can um, as well make sure that your messaging are relevant and resonates to the marketing uh, the CMO and one of the things um, what I always have in mind is like why it's all about managing change as well like change your customer right why do they need to change? Why do they need to do business with you? What are trends that you see in the market that everybody understands? And then say like, okay, this is coming to you. These are your, like the business outcomes. Why do you need to talk to me? Same with partnerships again, right? And how do you gonna then prove value? And also um, my advice would be then as well, like make sure that you speak the language of your target audience. And it sounds very easy, but like in tech companies, often we think data, we think bits, we think everything, but that's maybe not the language of the HR person or the marketing person. So um, understand that there are different perspectives and that you need to make sure that you appeal to them. Do you do a lot of virtual coffees to get to know the target audience? Do you test it by spending a lot of money on ads? Like what is... Um, the best way to do it you think well it depends on like I think if you go back to old models it's still lucky enough they still work right like look at like first like you need to get attention awareness interest and desire awareness is like find your customers where they are it could be advertising but even like even better if it's earned advertising or PR because you have the thought leadership and then uh, 
interest and desire but I, I think before that even I always like if, if I do an, uh, if I enter a new role I will just start like talking to customers and maybe not write my target customer but similar or as people in the in the company because I need to understand how they look at, at me or at the company what their thoughts are what is relevant what are the key priorities and to make sure that there is a fit and that it, what I, I, I want to offer relates to what they say. So the other advice would be like, don't go in with like one like offer that this is it, right? But I think you asked as well, like, do you have like different options? But really think, like, listen first to the customer. And I know it's an open door, but we often are so excited that we already start like, hey, we can do this, we can do this. And we forget to listen. And I think if you really also create partnerships with your customers, you can achieve much more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's very hard to learn as well. It comes with experience, I think. But um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no. I think it it it, it comes with experience, but as well, um, you could like like measure yourself because I also like data metrics. Like see in a conversation, like how much time do you talk versus are you listening to the customer? That's a good one, actually. <laughs> Are there apps like that? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I wish it, it was possible, right? Like, I think it would be good like, to have, like, just measuring, you know, somebody, um, actually, it was my father-in-law when I did my first job interviews. He said, like, if, if you talk 90, uh, if you talk 10% and they talk 90%, you did a great job. And that always remains with me because and now I'm talking way too much, but that's because you're now interviewing me. But <laughs> it is it is true. It's it's okay not to talk if you have the, the smart questions and you can or later come back. You don't have to have everything in that one meeting. You can just then use that information and really come with something smart afterwards. Or if you're in a startup stage, like further refine what you're working on, really yeah, it works as much as you can with uh, your target audience, not only from a marketing perspective. I feel like, I mean, you are Microsoft, so maybe that's a function you <laughs> yeah. should implement into Microsoft Teams where it says like, okay, now, you know, I'm talking and it's like, you know, like in chess when you click yeah. and then and then it automatically tracks how much you're in screen, how much the other person is in screen. And that way, you know, who's talking the most. It'd be great for sales calls. No, I, I like it. And I, I mean, I will like uh, bring up the idea that we were discussing because we also have something that we call like modern workplace analytics, which really as well, like let's shows you and it's all like uh, only for you and not on the manager levels. They can then see more like uh, the, the, the bigger numbers, but you can see uh, with who did you network, uh, with who did you reach out, how much time did you spend on your computer, just focus time. So there are all these kind of metrics that will help you to become aware what the things that you are doing well, or maybe where you could, well, you can always like decide yourself, but what you, you can learn from. And this one, I think is as good as a good one as well. Like who's to, eh, back to diversity and inclu inclusion. I think I spoke a little like a bit already about diverse, uh, like different perspectives, uh, but it also, you only can have that, but you also need to listen to each other. And one of the things that I try, and I'm not always like very like always very good at this, is with really if I'm in a meeting with different people, I always want everyone to have like had a chance uh, to have their say. But that also like you could measure that. Am I really doing that, or is it just my intention? 
I, I legitimately think it'd be a really good function on Microsoft <laughs> Teams or, or whatever. <laughs> Just like literally like like chess, like you know how many yeah. seconds everybody is. I mean, I understand what you're saying because we use productivity trackers as well for our staff. And there's like a lot out there like Time Doctor and Hub Staff and all of those. Um, but I, this is different. This is like this would be great for sales or for yeah. managers or coaches. And the only thing you have to kind of add, obviously, I'm not a coder, so I wouldn't know, but I'm assuming it's just like a tracker on the screen yeah, and it just shows you talked this much and this person talked this much. And then yeah. especially in COVID times, you could just use that. So if there's a startup listening and Microsoft hasn't implemented it yet, you know, there's an yeah, opportunity. I, no, exactly. And I think you say sales, but I also really think for diversity and inclusion, it's yeah. awesome. Exactly, because especially like if you're a, a manager and you have yeah. a diverse team and then you say that, you know, you're not biased, but somehow you tend to only listen to the white people. And then it's like data telling you, you yeah. do listen only to like the men and the whites. Um, so yeah. it's like, like, please uh, <laughs> let me know <laughs> if it'll happen. But um, I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I didn't I think, think about it, it that way. Yeah, it reminds me of Alice Blue and leadership, which is like now getting more attention, and it's it's about yeah, like having open for different perspectives, the ability to work with different people, and um, being like as well like I mean I think everyone is biased, but like be conscious of your bias and like act on it, right? To make it like yeah. unbiased. Yeah. I think uh, in the meantime, <laughs> probably to catch my bias, what I can do is probably just keep a stopwatch and then just every time I talk, click. <laughs> Has to be a quiet <laughs> one, though. <laughs> Let me know. But uh, no, I like that. Um, we're slowly kind of coming to the end. Uh, we have to wrap up, but I do have um, some kind of closing questions as well. Um, I always ask what kind of um, books you're reading currently and, and if there were any books that you could recommend to our listeners. Um, so I think uh, the one is about like uh, ethical AI. I, I need to like think it's the future decoded, I think. It's from Microsoft, but it was really like interesting because I think it's um, artificial intelligence comes with uh, many opportunities, but you need to do it uh, like thoughtful and with uh, ethical uh, thinking. Uh, that's one. Then um, it's the book Heavy, which is a personal book. It's about um, a black uh, boy growing up in uh, in the U.S. Uh, with uh, like yeah, how he looks at things. I think it's a very. I was re already reading it before because it's kind of a it's a good book, but you cannot read it at once. Um, but it's really good, like to have as well, like learning from different perspectives and like how is life if you are twelve here like a little bit like a big boy in uh, with a dark skin, which I thought was a very... Uh, so these are the, the two main um, that I've been like reading lately. And then I do, of course, like a lot of podcasts, a lot of uh, like listening to YouTube, and that's a look at all, like all different uh, aspects. And one of the other things is like, yeah, the, the new, uh, like the new leadership, but like what's... How can you be as a leader, be more inclusive, be more open for innovation and things like that? I like that. And then uh, maybe last question, if we have, I think we still have some time, but last question, what are you currently doing or learning not related to business that gives you energy? So not related to business. What am I learning? So 
that's uh, what gives me energy. Well, it's a lot of like related to uh, to business, right? Like the leadership, the new, like the whole, like the unca- unconscious bias to be more aware of that. I had some things on my list that I wanted to, but I didn't really like yet do it. It has to do um, with boating because I'm not good in like uh, sailing. And like recently with the beautiful weather, I went on the boat, but I had to go on an electric little little boat and I cannot sail. So that's on my on my wish list still like um, to be better on and, and really uh, like, yeah, how you say it? Like not driving a boat, but like uh, boating. Yeah. Sailing a boat. <laughs> sailing, sailing a boat. So yeah, sailing a boat, and as well like maybe even a bigger boat than the little one that's okay for tourists. <laughs> nice. I like that. I think it's also a great way to leave it on a on a easy breeze. I don't know if that's a great pun. But <laughs> it was super nice to catch up with you again. I really liked it. Um, and also, I think it was so relevant for many people to get to know you better than those uh, super quick conversations that we had on the big stage. Um, so I'm really <laughs> happy that you came on. Anything last you want to say? Um, if not. Well, if not, no, I, I just because you mentioned the stage, I hope that we can return, uh, not like as it was before, but more as well, like in a hybrid way, right? Because I also see like people like left or right. So now we are shifting, like people were a little bit like not willing to work remotely. We had to go to the office, all of this. Now we are all remote, but I think we need a combination. We need to think fluid and as well, like in hybrid. So I hope... Because I was like thinking back, uh, like on the stage and with the big energy, like the, the energy of the people present. I hope we will be able to do that uh, anytime soon again. Yeah, I agree. And, and definitely, end, what I'm taking away is like the how you guys are doing it as a membership kind of meeting place and community meeting place, the office, instead of just like mindlessly going to the office every time. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> it was a nice conversation. Thank you. Bye. If you like this episode, you can check out our most recent one here. And if you haven't already, make sure you click here to subscribe and see the next one. But if you're interested in more tips and tricks, then make sure to join our Facebook group where you can find thousands of like-minded people and you get direct access and support to any business question from the entire startup funding event team.